0: Chapter twelve of MEMOIR OF WASHINGTON IRVING, BY CHARLES ADAMS. This LibriVox recording is in the Public Domain. Thus, after three tedious years in England, during which the mercantile prospects of the three brothers went down in bankruptcy, Washington Irving, emancipated now from the thraldom of business, with which he was constitutionally unfit to grapple, again resumed his pen, and resumed it as his reliance for further support and independence through the agency of his eldest brother william who was at this time a member of congress an eligible place had been secured for washington in the navy board with a salary equal to two thousand four hundred dollars it was an office whose duties would be light and which would afford ample leisure for literary pursuits to the great disappointment of william however his brother declined this fine opening assigning as a principal reason that he did not wish to undertake any situation that must involve him in such a routine of duties as to prevent him from literary pursuits in a letter to his brother ebenezer he presents somewhat at large his feelings views and notions relating to the important position which he had assumed and which when connected with the magnificent results following his decision challenges for itself a more than ordinary interest in this letter he submits that the situation at Washington would but barely sustain him genteelly; that it could lead to nothing higher except politically, and for political life his talents, habits, and taste were not adapted; that he could not at the same time discharge the duties of the office and pursue his favorite plan of literary studies; and that if he were ever to gain any solid reputation with the public, it must be in the quiet and assiduous operations of his pen. He was now thirty-five years of age and he adds in this letter to his brother that he had already suffered several precious years of youth and lively imagination to pass by unimproved and that it behooved him to make the most of what was left that this was the very period of his life most auspicious for securing a literary reputation and if he should succeed in this it would repay him for a world of care and privation to be placed among the established authors of his country, and to win the affections of his countrymen. Thus it happily came to pass that Irving declined office and struck out a path for himself, and the sequel amply demonstrated the correctness and wisdom of this decision. At the time of penning the important letter above noticed, Mr. Irving was just about putting to press the first number of the sketch book. Its first publication was in this country, and it was issued in successive numbers, and from time to time, until completed. It was afterward issued in London under the auspices of the author, and it was in both countries at once exceedingly popular, highly approved both by American and English critics, and greatly advanced on both sides of the water the reputation of its author. The work comprises a series of sketches, from thirty to forty in number, some of them quite brief, others expanded into much greater length, and presenting a very considerable variety of topics. Authors, scenery, customs, localities, stories, etc., come into the scope of the work. Some of the sketches dwelling upon American scenery and personages, but most of them occupied with English subjects, over which the author seems to linger with more than ordinary partiality, the series is marked by a pleasant variety not only in respect to the character of the themes but the temperament so to speak with which they are treated there will be found the sobriety of history and narrative the pathos belonging to unaffected sympathy with sorrow and on the other hand the humour by which his genius seemed so strongly characterised the style of the sketches is everywhere his own pure chaste easy flowing often elegant, and always appropriate to the theme in hand, rich, yet not extravagant, with varied and pertinent imagery, pleasant flowers of speech intermingling themselves with his graceful and facile style, presenting themselves not in gorgeous superabundance as in some artificial garden of beauty, but constantly occurring in a sort of natural order and variety, like the floral adornments that greet us as we glance along some cultivated and beautiful landscape, a brief extract or two from these admirable sketches may not be without use in setting forth some of the more prominent peculiarities of Mister Irving's spirit and style of composition. End of chapter twelve. Recording by Maria Casper.